Welcome to Prevention Is Now. I'm Deb Bonner, preventionist and community advocate for Perry Center Against Sexual Assault in Springfield, Illinois. You know, we live our lives online. We shop online, we socialize online, work online, and we are harassed online. According to a 2020 Pew Research Center survey, 41% of Americans have experienced some form of online harassment, including offensive name-calling, humiliation, stalking, physical threats, harassment over a sustained time, or even sexual harassment. These behaviors are found on social media sites, they are in texts, in emails, messenger systems, and even Zoom meetings, with women, people of color, and LGBTQ individuals receiving a disproportionate amount of the abuse. With the average person spending a little over six and a half hours online, at least two of which spend exclusively on social media, it's important to understand what types of harassment and abuse people are experiencing, where they are most commonly experiencing it, and more importantly, what we can do to stop it. According to the International Center for Research on Women, technology-facilitated gender-based violence, which is another term for some forms of online harassment, is an emerging global public health and human rights issue that affects the safety and well-being of individuals and negatively impacts communities. To help us understand more about the issue of online harassment is Anna Velasquez. Anna is a program and communications associate at Hollaback and is the moderator at HeartMob, a community dedicated to ending online harassment. Anna, welcome. Hello. Thank you you so much for having me. Can you first share with us exactly what HeartMob is and how it works? Sure. So HeartMob is a platform that offers support to people experiencing online harassment. It allows users to easily document and share their stories of harassment and then get help from a community of bystanders who can support them and take action or intervene. So people can help you to document or report abuse on social media platforms, and they can also send you messages of support uh, and solidarity. So everyone can use HeartMob. You can sign up as a bystander or or mover and, and help others, or you can share your story and receive support. Now, is the online harassment we are seeing a mirror of what is happening in real life, or is this really just more of a unique form of harassment that's emerging? Yeah, that's an interesting question because online and physical harassment can have like similar characteristics. Both of them are meant to hurt or harass or upset someone. And we have also seen structural problems that occur in both physical and virtual spaces. So we see misogyny, we see racism, discrimination, etc. The difference with, with technology is that it has made the act of threatening and abusing far easier. So some characteristics of the internet, like the anonymity, uh, the speed of communication, the spontaneity, have facilitated those instances of harassment. And there's a lot of academic research or research in general that shows that people feel invisible and free of consequence behind the screens because it's more difficult to identify them and hold them accountable for their actions. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons we see an increase in abusive behavior online and also other forms of of abuse like misogynist or or sexist behavior online. So, yeah, I would say that, yeah, we're seeing a mirror of what is happening in physical spaces, but the difference is that technology has granted people this freedom to allow violence to grow because it's easier to engage in, in abusive behavior because, yeah, you don't have to confront the person you're harassing. You're kind of, like, protected 
and there will be any any consequence. Now, do we see, because I know sometimes when you see harassment uh, in the real world, you kind of get that mob mentality taking over where everybody, once one person starts, it kind of builds as a wave. Do we see that also in social media? Because, you know, especially when we're talking with like sexual assault victims or sexual harassment victims who have shared their stories, you know, they just get shamed and attacked so often on social media. Is it just because one person starts doing it, it just opens the floodgate and that mob mentality takes over? Yeah. Yes, definitely. And there's there's a lot of the, the scholarship that argues that exactly what you said, that abusers are faced with a kind of like a contradiction that explains why they are eager to be or why they what they might abuse people online. For example, there's a research called Extreme Speech and Global Digital Cultures that shows that on the one hand, the internet allows them to hide and disconnect themselves from their offline selves uh, because, yeah, they feel invisible, they feel anonymous, it will be hard for them to be discovered, and they feel that they can do whatever they want without consequences. But on the other hand, the internet provides them the possibility of being heard online and gives them kind of like that sort of freedom and power to be more mean and also to interact with people who we like to behave in the same way. So it really facilitates that interaction with, with other people. Uh, and yeah, at the same time, like kind of like aggressors hide their identities and they're anonymous while simultaneously reveal part of their true selves or values, including, you know, beliefs about women's role in society or religion or race or sexual orientation, and then get get together with people who have similar beliefs. Now, what are some of the most common forms of online abuse and harassment that we're seeing? So, online harassment can include different abusive tactics, for example, sharing offensive content against someone, uh, rape and death threats. There's another way of harassment known as doxing, which is the practice of publishing private information uh, like your address, your phone number, your email. We also have cyber stalking or electronic surveillance that can include making unwanted phone calls or unwanted messages or spying or monitoring activities on social media. We also have other other forms of harassment like the non-consensual use of intimate content or what is known as revenge porn, online sexual harassment that can include unwelcome sexual requests or verbal harassment or making inappropriate comments. We have sextortion where people are demanded to provide sexual images or photos or when someone threatens you to distribute or publish your intimate photos unless you pay money or you send other sexual content, for example. We have online impersonation. We have online hated speech that refers to abusive expressions targeting a particular group of people on the basis of race or sexual orientation or religion. And then recently, we have seen some new trends on on Zoom, for example. There is something called Zoom bombing, which is a form of attack in which someone disrupts video calls without permission. So since the pandemic started, we have seen uh, people and organizations that have reported how some video calls have been interrupted with pornography or with unwanted content 
or people who access a Zoom meeting and then turn their cameras on to display sexual content. That's one of the new trends we have seen, online sexual misconduct and sexual harassment on Zoom calls as well. So yeah, those are like the new forms of harassment that have emerged recently. Have you seen much in the way of what they call the deep fakes? I know uh, celebrities are often targeted with this, but anybody could be, where basically it's just photoshopping and in a video form where they, they may put your likeness into a, uh, a pornographic image or video. Have you seen much of a rise in that or is that still kind of on the fringes? Yeah, that's definitely another form of harassment that have increased in the months, especially with the advancement of, of technologies, the use of new techniques and the use of artificial intelligence to generate those fake videos. And obviously women are especially targeted uh, if we consider, for example, videos of intimate content or, yeah, fake videos where they impose your face in a pornographic content, for example. So we have seen an increase in those kind of uh, of content, which obviously represents a form of harassment as well. Now, are there any statistics that show how often harassment that starts online moves into the physical world, or does it typically just stay online? There are statistics that show how an online attack makes people feel threatened in their physical spaces and how abusive behavior online can escalate into physical violence. So, for example, recently I just completed my thesis on online harassment against women journalists. And then I conducted some interviews with journalists, and then I also looked at a lot of research on how uh, women are especially impacted by the problem of, of online abuse. And according to a 2020 survey conducted by the International Center for Journalists and UNESCO, 20% of female journalists had been attacked in physical spaces in connection with online abuse. And, and then that same study also revealed that uh, 13% of women increased their physical security in response to uh, an online episode. And then 4% of that of them said that they had missed work due to concerns about their physical safety. So we definitely, we even see people quitting their jobs because they receive rape and death threats, for example. So definitely, I would say that, yeah, online and offline spaces intersect. We are speaking with Anna Valeska's Program and Communications Associate at Hollaback and is the moderator at HeartMob. And even if the harassment does remain online, the impact on survivors is is very real and often devastating. As you just said, some people have even, some women have called off work because of their concern. But what are some of the repercussions that survivors experience? So online harassment has severe consequences for those who experience it. I think that one of the greatest impacts is, or, or are the emotional effects, uh, how online harassment can impact people's mental health and can lead to problems like anxiety or depression. And the problem is that people can face abuse every time they access their phones, which is all the time. So it's like people are exposed to this endless and constant abuse when it happens on social media, for example, or when, when it happens online. And it's, there is no way to escape that because 
staying connected is crucial to our lives nowadays. So that's why the experience of online harassment can be even more traumatic and can lead to, to problems like anxiety or depression. So that's one thing. Then the other thing is that people have to change their routines in, in, in real life, as we, as we mentioned. It affects their sense of safety in, in, in physical spaces. They have to use solutions that cover both their online interactions and their everyday interactions or like change their locations or get professional help or yeah they're forced to like move or change their job so yeah that's another big consequence and then finally the other problem is that it causes self-censorship so people start censoring themselves online they quit social media they stop sharing their their opinions and the consequence of that is that, of course, we're limiting the formation of a diverse and open and equitable discourse. And obviously that has a huge impact in all of us and in, in our society. Are there specific platforms that have proven to be more problematic for harassment than others? And if so, do we know why these platforms are more of an issue? Yeah, this uh, 2020 Pew Research Center survey revealed that most adults who have recently faced online harassment say it, it happened on social media platforms. So social media platforms is, of course, one of the, of the most uh, common channels where, where harassment happens. But some people have also seen episodes of harassment in other platforms, like discussion sites, like uh, texting apps, uh, dating apps even email communications. So online abuse behavior can occur across all online platforms. But of course, as social media platforms are, are the channels that we, uh, we must use recently, well, we, we can see a lot of problematic behavior there. So Facebook, for example, is one of the platforms with the highest incidence of harassment. Uh, according to a survey on online harassment in the U.S., conducted by the Anti-Defamation League, all of the people who were harassed online, 77% reported that at least one of those harassment happened in Facebook, on, on Facebook. And then another another platform that has a lot of uh, problematic behavior is, is also Twitter. There is another study conducted by the Amnesty International that revealed that Twitter is one of the most toxic platforms, especially for women, because of the nature of the platform, because it's a space where people can have public conversations and discussions and share their thoughts with others. But for women, especially for women like journalists or politicians or activists, they often face attacks and threats just for, for participating in those discussions on Twitter. So that's uh, what this study has found, that Twitter was is a place where threats of violence and abuse against women are widespread, and especially against Black women or Latinas women who, according to the, to the study, uh, are more likely to be mentioning abusive or, or problematic tweets than white women, for example. Now, many forms of harassment that we see on social media go against the platform's policy standards, for example, hate speech or graphic imagery. However, there are so many people on these platforms and billions of posts daily. So the artificial intelligence they use to try and catch the abuse isn't always successful. What do people need to know about keeping themselves safe online? Yeah, most, most of the platforms use 
automated tools to identify abusive behavior. But for example, last year, Facebook revealed that using technology to detect harassment can be more challenging than other types of abuse. So in those cases, they tend to rely more on human review. But of course, some human rights organizations, for example, Amnesty International, they have argued that social media platforms don't reveal, for example, the number of content moderators they employ, or they don't include the type of coverage they provide in different countries or in different languages. Uh, So it's really a complex problem, and social media platforms have been encouraged to increase transparency and how they handle reports of abuse. But of course, we, we haven't seen so much progress on that. And yeah, in the meantime, people often feel that their cases weren't handled appropriately. For example, a social media platform didn't delete abusive tweets or, or abusive content, or the case is still pending, or, or at the end they tell you that the that abusive behavior doesn't violate the social media platform policies. So yeah, we ended up teaching people how to reduce the risk of abuse online, which I think is kind of like unfair. I'm a fair because we are placing the responsibility on the people experiencing the abuse and are kind of like relieving social media platforms of their responsibility to implement changes. But having that said, of course, there are things that, that people can do to reduce their risk of being harassed. And I think that it's important for people to get informed about the risk uh, and learn some basic measures that they can take to protect themselves online or when they use their phones. So first of all, we at Hollaback and at Harmon, we encourage people to invite their friends and family to help them to report harassment because more reports make it more likely that a platform will take the content down. It's also good to learn some, some of the new options or features offered by the social media platforms. So, for example, Instagram and Facebook have introduced new ways for people to hide or delete multiple comments at once. Uh, Instagram has also added a new feature to the messages request section, which allows you to filter offensive words, for example, and then block them. And uh, yeah, you can find a lot of this information on how to use different platforms reporting systems in our resources page on HarmUp. We also have like a, a guide, uh, like a digital security guide, where you can find some recommendations, like for example, uh, how to secure your account uh, by activating, for example, the two-step verification, by making your passwords stronger, also highlighting the importance of avoiding sharing or um, posting identifying information or opening links or attachments from an unknown or suspicious account. So yeah, I think that kind of practices are really useful, like doing digital safety will help you to stay safe and protect your information and also ensure that an instance of uh, online abuse doesn't escalate to taking your accounts or to increase intimidation or to publish personal information. Well, Anna, we are uh, starting to wrap things up and uh, run out of time. So are there some really good sources that you can recommend for people who want to find out more about online harassment and uh, how they can help and what they should be doing as a result of it? Yeah, so there are a couple of organizations and platforms that offer 
tons of resources on how to deal and on, on what to do if you experience online harassment. We have, for example, Crash Override Network that offers online abuse and a harassment crisis helpline. They also have a resource center full of guides on what to do if you experience doxing, if you if your accounts are hacked. So yeah, they have a lot of useful information. Then I will also recommend the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. They also have a 24-7 crisis helpline and one-to-one victim support. Um, there are other organizations like Pan American that has uh, released and published a lot of material on online harassment and uh, effective strategies on how to respond. Uh, and what you can use to defend against online hate speech, for example. Uh, and then finally, there are um, websites like Take Back the Tech, where you can find digital safety toolkits, cybersecurity information, also strategies on self-care and victim assistance for technology-related uh, violence or abuse. And then, of course, we also invite you to Check out our resources page on Harmo, where you can find um, information and guides on how to to respond to online harassment, like basic steps you can take. Um, also, the social media safety guides that I mentioned before, information on legal advice. And, the, and finally, self-care guides as well. All right. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This has been Prevention Is Now. I'm Deb Bonner, preventionist and community advocate for Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault. If you would like more information or have questions about this program, you may call our offices at 217-744-2560 or send me an email at dbonner at prairiecasa.org. Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault supports children and adult survivors of sexual violence through counseling and legal and medical advocacy in 11 central Illinois counties. Prairie Center offers coaching boys into men for male high school and college athletes, bringing in the bystander training for college campuses and sexual harassment prevention training for businesses and organizations in our area. Our main office is located in Springfield, Illinois, with satellite offices in Jacksonville and Taylorville, Illinois. And you can find out more about our services at our website at prairiecasa.org. This program is supported by a grant from the Illinois Department of Public Health and the Illinois Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Points of view or opinions contained in this program are those of Prairie Center Against Sexual Assault and our guests and do not necessarily reflect the official positions or policies of these grantors. Thank you for listening.